Well, hello, and welcome to Remember God Loves You, and I'll meet you at the finish line. Well, I hope you guys are having a blessed day, because I know I am, because today is a day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and praise and be glad in it. And God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Well, today is Monday, Thursday. It is a day that uh, we should remember for infinite. It is also the day where Jesus finally sat around the table, had his last supper with his disciples. A supper that would eventually go down as Passover and then would be called Monday, Thursday. As early in the week, we started saying that people were saying Hosanna and Hosanna. He was welcoming in. People welcomed him in, into Jerusalem with uh with cheery and they were probably excited it was a celebration it was a celebration and we also remember that uh wednesday night last night was also very evidential of last night where we finally uh see that judas the scariot we see his true colors where he went to the jewish leaders and got some daenerys and turned Jesus in. And today, fast forward to today, Jesus is with his disciples. He then states, one of you guys have betrayed me. And it was interesting because they all state, it was not I, Lord. Who would do that to you? And as he did the communion, as he did the communion for the last time, he broke the bread and said, I break this bread. This is my body, and I break it for you. Partake and do it in remembrance of me. He later then does the wine, which represents his blood. Drink this wine, or drink this blood, and do it in remembrance of me. And he went out to the garden, and therefore he sweats so much that there were sweats of blood, or tears of blood coming down. And he later then was captured tonight and he would be imprisoned until tomorrow where he would pay the ultimate sacrifice. And while he was imprisoned, he was uh, whipped 40 lashes and he was tortured. He then received the crown of, the crown of thorns and he would be there called, therefore be called the king of the Jews. He was then had to be testified in front of Pontius Pilate. While he was testifying, and while he would be testifying in front of Pontius Pilate, and he was being taken away by the Romans, Peter then denies him not once, not twice, but three times, as it was prophesied. And it was interesting because what would you do in that situation? When somebody asks you, do you know who Jesus is? You must have been with that person. Do you follow him? I don't know about you, but I would probably deny in that situation. And here's why. Because we have a lot to lose, and I'm sure Peter had a lot to lose. But one, one aspect of it is, while Peter denied him not once but three times, he then went into deep repentance and it went to fasting. He went into fasting knowing that he was 
ill mind. And I'm sure he got sick knowing that he betrayed Jesus Christ. And knowing that he denied him three different times. And also we, he gets to see the last miracle that is done. And that is of the uh, Roman guard's ear. In which Peter draws his sword. And, white, uh, and completely cleans off his ear. And the sad part is, is that Jesus then, well, it's not a sad part. The, the awesome part is that Jesus then healed his ear and therefore then uh, caught himself and said, yep, this is me. And he turned himself in. Well, actually, he was arrested. And it was interesting because then you got to see the turmoil of Judas Iscariot and how he was so distraught by himself that he went to the chief priests and threw money at them and said, I don't need your money. But at the same time, here's what the money does. And here's why money is such corrupt of all evil. When we're in desperate times, it calls desperate measures. And we don't think when we are in desperate times, we don't think or we don't respond of certain situations. We don't respond in correct ways. Instead, we respond in inappropriate ways. We will do anything and everything to compromise our hearts so that we can get money. That's why Jesus emphasized money is the root of all evil. And so these next couple 24 hours will be an hour of somber, an hour, 24 hours of just remorse and, and, and mourning. As tomorrow will be a very, very sad day. Uh, tomorrow will be Good Friday where he would eventually go on the cross and he would eventually pass away and would die for our sins. And that will be for tomorrow. But today, we are looking at, um, we're continuing our study in today in talking about standing strong. What does it mean by standing strong by your faith? Standing firm in your faith. That's what we're going to be taking a look at today. And with this in mind, we're going to start off with a word of prayer. And after the prayer, we're going to be looking in Ephesians 6. Dear Holy Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here in reverence of you, Lord. May you guide us and protect us as we continue. And Lord, we just pray uh, we remember what happened today, Lord. The last supper that you had with your disciples. The last opportunity where people finally got to read, got to start a relationship with you, Lord. Before being arrested and being taken away. And eventually dying, dying for us when we didn't deserve to. Lord, you are a merciful Father. May you guide us and protect us as we continue on the path so that when you cross our nation, Lord, we can run into your arms and we can hear you say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, today in Ephesians 6, we're in verse 1, it states, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is a first commandment with promise that it may go that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth and you and you fathers do not provoke your children of wrath but bring them up in training and admonishing of the lord so there's a lot to that that Jesus is stating first of all is stating that children of all ages honor your father and mother Whatever your parents tell you to do, 
whether if it is to take out the trash, whether it is to love and show compassion to one or the other parent, you should do it. And whether it is, if your parents tell you respect your siblings as you, as you would to your parents, you would do that. That is honoring your father and mother. Because I can guarantee you that if you have a mother and father that is centered around God, they know what is up. They know what it is right. Because they're looking out for your best interest. Now, we live in a world where parents are lost and they tell you, well, you can do whatever you want. That is unbiblical, number one. Number two, it brings a bad image and it paints a bad picture on what love is. If you think that love is throwing a tantrum at a certain age to get your way, or saying that, well, mommy and daddy will bail me out because they love me, that is a very wicked and horrible, heinous uh, perception of God and perception of love. And parents, if you're listening to this, and if you're not of faith, don't bribe your kids and don't say, well, you know what, you can do whatever you want, or don't and don't ever say this phrase, well, boys will be boys and girls will be go- girls. Well, everybody watches, well, guys will watch porn. And so what's the big deal about that? Or guys will, guys will go drinking, you know, at age 21. Well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is, is that you're teaching them how to live a worldly life and teaching them, well, God will, uh, God will bring you, God will forgive you. You know, well, you're not, you have to discover yourself. Well, discovering yourself is a horrible way. That's what sin wants you to do. Because sin wants you to know, um, sin wants you to live a, a wicked life. And another aspect is, if you also live in a world, if you live in a, if you live in a household that has got worldly, that's got uh, your father and mother that love God and goes after their own heart and they attend church, part of honoring your father and mother is after you graduate, and I'm sure this is a huge honoring aspect of it, is finding a church in the, at the college town or where if you move out, finding a, a church or a community, Christ-centered community to get involved in. Because after all, your parents invested their time, resources, so that you may find out and get closer with God and be closer with Christian friends. So many, there are so many parents I've run into where they say to me, Sosalyn, my kids are completely gone off the deep end. This is, I didn't expect out of them. I didn't expect them to do what they uh, did. I didn't expect my daughter to come out of the closet. I didn't expect it. What did I do wrong? Well, I told them, I said, you didn't do anything wrong. Number one, if they truly obeyed your words, if they truly obeyed what you had to say, they wouldn't be doing that. They are in a rebellion state, which is dishonoring your father and mother. And I'm stating that because I did it myself. It was by joining the Army Reserves. I didn't obey them by any means. A matter of fact, I remember that day. It was October 7th, I think 2019. No, uh, 2018 or 2017. No, it was 2016. Wow, where did time go by? <laughs> or I told my parents... You know, I'm going to go for a drive. And they said, okay, well, hopefully just tell us when you get back. Well, I got back 
And I didn't tell them where I went. I didn't tell them what I did until next month when I said, hey, I'm going to go on a trip. It's a two-day trip. Well, that two-day trip went to MAPS. And MAPS ended up being in joining the Army Reserves. Did I disobey my parents? Yes. And in the world aspect, it would not be considered disobeying. It would be considered, well, you're just now official adult. Well, part of being an adult is obeying your parents as well. It doesn't matter what age you are because when you're born, God gives you parents until they cross the finish line and until you cross the finish line as well. But during the time you're living on earth, your parents are living on earth, you obey them until they take their last breath. And we also are going to, so going off of that, verse 5, it states, Bond service, be obedient to those who are masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, from the good will doing service as to the Lord, not as to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And verse 9, and, mas and you masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So one of the big aspects, I think, in that bond service and masters is employability. We are all bond servants to our employer. And I'm sure that your employer wants what's best for you. And they expect you to give your full 100%, whether you don't like the job or whether if you like the job. One of the big key phrases I learned while working is never give 50% of your work ethic. Always give 100 and beyond. So then I came up with the philosophy, give your 120 Give 120%. If they tell you, if, you're a serv if, you're, if your employer tells you, go clean the toilets, you clean the toilets so well that they can clean off of them or eat off of them. Now, I wouldn't do that if I were you, but th that makes a point. Or they tell you, you know what? I want you to sweep the floors for us. Now, you might not like the job because they're thinking, well, that's not my job. But if you do it, Part of you being working and part of you working as an employee is making your employer happy. Because I'm sure there's a, a way, I'm sure there's a, a purpose for you sweeping the floor. Number one, it builds humility. Number two, it allows you to see what the other side sees. And whether if you have to sweep the floors or clean the toilets or even mow the grass, you give 120%. Because you never know, you're, therefore you are obeying your employer or and you are saying, you know what, I care about my job. I'm going to get, do my best. And I absolutely love verse 10. Here in verse in Ephesians chapter 6, we're getting to my favorite aspect, which is putting full armor of God. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand up or stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but the principality, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, take up the armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having gritted your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shield or shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation that the sword and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all your with all prayers and supplications in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints and for me that utterness may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I just want to tell you that is a huge, huge part of our life. When we focus on God, when we are fully in armor of God, the shield of faith, we need to put that on, especially in this day and age, especially now more than ever, because we are being, this is a very heavily spiritual warfare that we are battling with. This is a spiritual warfare of information, the mixed information where your truth are lies and your lies become truth. And for instance, where the government states, well, we're going to take care of your children and we're going to force your kids to be vaccinated. We're going to uh, brainwash your kids into thinking this way. But the, the agenda that's going on that your kids are being forced into is unbiblical. So we need to hold up our shield and we need to shield our kids and our family from the attacks and from the misconceptions of not only from the government, but from the demonic forces. And that's what is going on at the end of the day. And it's interesting because the people that are going and attacking your kids through the informational warfare and all that, they are lost individuals. And those words are not coming from those individuals. They are coming from Satan and his demonic forces. The demonic forces are the ones that are controlling uh, the informational warfare. They're telling you what to think. They're telling you how to react. That's what they're really up to. And they're not mad. They're not upset. But you cannot allow your kids to be hit with darts of evil. You cannot allow your kids to be, uh, especially if they're 18 and under, and especially if they're adolescent. You have to protect your kids like it. it your life depends on it, it, it which it does mother and fathers. And that's what we're missing in this day and age. But that doesn't mean that we can change. That doesn't mean that it's all gone. It's all off the boats. It does not mean by that any means. There's always still time to save your kids and save this generation. There's always time to fight against the devil's schemes. And that means maybe going to the Capitol peacefully testifying in front of a committee and showing what God's love is and showing and how you act in a godly way. And that also means contacting your lawmakers, 
contacting certain people to hold them accountable because you are therefore protecting and shielding your family and your kids. In, in 21, we conclude in 21 in Ephesians chapter 6, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Cyrus, a beloved uh, brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may also that you may know our fears, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, grace. Be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. And amen. Now, we read, um, we read uh, the contextual aspect of it. And the overall big picture of is standing strong in our faith, standing firm, is what does it mean to stand strong? That's a big question. What does it mean for Sassam to stand strong in your faith or in my faith, in the faith of knowing Jesus Christ? Well, it means to me is when something is wrong, bringing a light to it. It also means when being strong in my faith, when I'm being confronted in the eyes of people that don't like me or that have malice towards me, or whenever I have to speak in front of the public of a, of a topic that I don't like, it means I have to be reliant on God. It means I have to go into prayer first before speaking and slowing down my thoughts and saying, Lord, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have the worry darts, the fear darts attack me because I am entrusting my life into your hands. Amen and amen. And when we, when we say that question to us, when we're confronted with those situations, I think I, I kind of I did answer that question, but I'm going to re uh, re question that unto you. What do you think? What do you think it means to stand strong in your faith? That is the question. Declare it, and the declaration to this big picture is: God, I choose to stand on Your word, not my worry, not on my fears. God, I choose to obey my parents, not of other people. God, I choose to obey my parents and not to be influenced by the world's aspect of what it means to obey your parents. Lord, I choose to obey my parents and choose to stand on your word in loving my brother and sister that might be wrong and allowing them to guide in protecting their life. And with this in mind, that's what it means to stand in our faith and standing strong and not being persuaded, not being attacked and not allowing Satan to control our life and allowing us to think that Satan won over our hearts. Because Satan, as long as he can get your heart, as long as he can make you, as long as he can deceive you, he's already won the battle. Satan did. That's why it's important that we put on the, the visions of deception, visions against deception, so that we know the truth no matter what, no matter the deceptions. So we see through the deceptions. That could be actually a new one. With this in mind, we're going to end it with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here in the reverence of you, Lord. May you guide us and protect us as we continue on the path that you set before us. Lord, I also pray that no matter what happens, the deception darts that throw at, throw at us, the fear darts, the anxiety darts, 
the wickedness of the world that throws darts at us to distort the truth, I pray that we can hold up our shield against it so that we can protect our kids, our families against it, against the vials of the wickedness. Because when we protect our, when we are shielding, when we are shielding our kids, Lord, we are being obedient unto you, Lord. So may you guide us and protect us as we continue on the path that you set before us, and help us to come with a mourn, help us to come with heavy hearts to tomorrow, and realize truly what you did for us. So may you guide us and protect us as we continue on the path that you set before us, so that when we cross that finish line, O oh Lord. We can run into your arms and we can hear you say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I hope you guys have a blessed day. And remember, God loves you. And I'll meet you at the finish line. And and happy Monday, Thursday. And we will catch you tomorrow, which is a good Friday. Bye.